Welcome to the It Is Better To Know podcast. This is Anne. I'm Cecilia. And I'm Valerie. This is a podcast where we use our expertise as pharmacists to break down relevant health topics and make them easier for you to understand. Now let's get started. You got me curious. Salutations! Welcome to another episode of It Is Better To Know Podcast. I'm the charming Cecilia, and joining me today, wouldn't you know it, are my two fantastic co-hosts, the all-knowing Anne and the vivacious Valerie. Wow, I love that alliteration you have going on there. Thank you all very knowing much. about anything Netflix-related, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm all-knowing about. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> okay, I think that's all the A-words I can come up with. <laughs> So we're, we're experimenting with different formats in each episode, as, as you guys have probably seen. So depending on whatever format we feel fits the topic at hand the best. So please leave us some feedback on wherever you're listening to our podcast. Five-star ratings are always welcome, along with a review. We really do appreciate it, and it helps us get the word out to more listeners. And that's why we're doing this podcast, to help you help others. Don't forget about our social media accounts. Again, Instagram and Facebook, it is better to know. And Twitter, better to know pod, P-O-D. We appreciate all the support and would love if you help us spread the word. Sharing is caring. And it is better to not only know, but to also share with your friends. And today, in honor of Valentine's Day, by the way, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Did you guys know it was Valentine's Day? (laughs) Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Uh, Or Single Awareness Day. Oh, no. (laughs) Happy Single Awareness Day, everybody. Yes, happy Single Awareness Day. Either either or. But, uh, you know, let's move on to our topic of the day, and that's sleep. But don't get the wrong idea. We're not talking about sleeping around or sexy times or knocking boots, whatever term you want to use. <laughs> Considering it's B-Day, I'm glad you clarified that. I've never actually heard of the term knocking boots before, so I learned something new today. Definitely I think don't that's want English people term. to get the wrong idea. English? Yes, it's okay. an English term, I think. But yeah, we're not that kind of podcast. We must stick to health-related topics. So we're talking about insomnia today because we did have a listener request from Trisha. So shout out to Trisha. Um, And she had asked us to do an episode about sleep aids. So we thought before we discuss any sleep aids, we should actually take an in-depth look into why we even need sleep aids in the first place. And so here we are today to explore the topic of insomnia. So for this episode, we'll have a panel discussion with Anne and Valerie acting as our insomnia experts, and they'll have some lively discussion there, and I will be acting as a moderator. But first things first, I wanted to talk about why insomnia is such an important topic. So if you're wondering what that even means, to break it down, it's just a fancy word that means it's hard for you to fall asleep or to stay asleep once you are asleep. And the fact of the matter is, though, we we do live in a really sleep-deprived society, So in a society where time is of the essence and 24 hours just isn't enough for a balanced lifestyle anymore, we we do see sleep deprivation that's very commonplace. So we see it in the workforce, in professionals, in parents, sometimes even in children. And the statistics on sleep deprivation are really staggering. So according to studies, approximately a third of the general population have insomnia symptoms. 
So it affects a lot of people, students, working professionals, parents, like we mentioned before. And I'm sure, you know, you and I, we all know what it's like to get a bad night's sleep, where we can barely function the next day. We have slower reaction times. We just have that mental fogginess. And to bring some more statistics into this, the average adult, I found that um, when I was researching, sleeps about 6.9 hours during the week on average per night. And to me, that actually sounds like a lot because I don't normally get that much sleep um, on on an average night, but that's actually already 20% less than what the average um, average adult slept in the year 1900. So this brings forth the question, if we keep pushing sleep down on our list of priorities, then what will the average number of hours of sleep be in another 100 years from now? Will it be four hours? Will it be two hours? Five minutes? I don't know. It's really scary to think about. And another study suggests that getting one extra hour of sleep each night would do more for a person's daily happiness than getting a $60,000 raise. That's really amazing. I bet if faced with a choice between one extra hour of sleep each night or $60,000 extra every year, a lot of us would choose the money. What would you guys choose? You know, I was going to let Anne answer this first, but I think there's no hesitation. There's no I doubt on any. <laughs> I would take $50,000, no hesitation whatsoever. I'm trying to hustle, man. It's really hard. So if I, mean, I if I didn't have this choice, then I would take that. I got dependence. In, in all honesty, right? 60000 a year is more than enough for me to live comfortably. I mean, with that money, I wouldn't even have to work. So I would take the money and run. And, <laughs> Wait, but are and, you factoring like your travel costs and stuff? I know you like to go on, on vacations. Yeah, like it's only take ten thousand to travel. <laughs> I can and I was still like, have you know, 50, if you have over. to work like if you have to work eight hours a day, right? And and I would take one hour from that eight hours a day. I still have seven hours extra to sleep, so that's no brainer. <laughs> okay, I guess if you thousand dollar plus extra seven hours to sleep. I oh, guess if yeah. you put it that way. I think I would also choose the money, but which is really surprising because I really enjoy sleep. But $60,000 is quite a lot, hey? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Especially, <laughs> especially if you're financially savvy and you can invest it like Anne, I think you could, you know, make make a killing there. So, unfortunately... Yeah, but what about, what about, though, if this was $60,000 without, without tax... <laughs> It's taken out yet, so really, it's like essentially forty-five k. I I can manage to lift forty-five. <laughs> I do it. I can quit with forty-five if really? I can just yeah. Even with like your mortgage um, payments and all that stuff, I can rent. <laughs> she's <laughs> really pay, this like she's, she's making this work. Rent. I'll move to Asia and I'll get that extra twenty thousand to live a year. That That's is so true. true, though. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks, ladies, for your input. So I think there was a unanimous decision that we all want the money. But the first question I actually want to ask our insomnia experts today is, what exactly is considered insomnia? If I have a bad night's sleep one night, is it fair to say that I have insomnia? In that case, I would have insomnia a lot. I would say that's more of a short-term sleep problem. But that's a great question. We usually use the term insomnia casually, but there's actually criteria to diagnose insomnia as a disorder officially, according to the DSM-5, which is a diagnostic manual that us healthcare professionals use. To sum it up, 
because we don't have all day to go through this manual, insomnia is dissatisfaction with sleep quality or quantity, and it can be associated with difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, or waking up early in the morning without being able to go back to sleep. As per the DSM-5, to be diagnosed with insomnia, this dissatisfaction with sleep has to affect your ability to function. So this means that you would have symptoms during daytime due to lack of sleep, like fatigue or low energy, sleepiness, cognitive impairments, mood disturbances, or behavior problems. By definition, the sleep disturbances also have to happen at least three nights per week for at least three months. Okay, so I guess I can't say that I have an insomnia disorder if it just happens once in a while. And if I have to confess something, it's usually related to poor lifestyle choices, like staying up until 2 a.m. to watch Bridgerton. Bridger what? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Bridgerton. I, no, I haven't heard of it before. I'm Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's a period drama that's set in the 1800s. It's based off a series of books written by Julia Quinn. And um, as you can tell from the, from the name of it, the show, it's based on a family um, and their name, last name is Bridgerton. And it basically explores like the eight siblings, um, you know, journey, journey for love. And I had a lot of people who were, you know, basically shouting at me to watch it. So I finally caved in and I started. I'm only on episode three right now, but I, I do really like it so far. And have you seen it? Of course. Wait, you're only on episode three? Yeah. <laughs> I still have a to go. Oh, anything to do with trending Netflix shows, you know I'm on it. And But not only did I binge watch the entire season, I also read spoilers about Lady Whistledown. Do you mm. want me to tell you? No, do you know? don't, don't tell me the spoilers. <laughs> I know who she is, but I know I, I don't know who like she actually is, but I know of the character. But don't tell me. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, that's fine. I'm excited for season two, though. Did you know they renewed it for uh, eight seasons in total? So that's what? that's going to be a lot. Yeah, oh, wow. so it's very popular. It's all all the rage right now. Everyone's watching it. <laughs> but I guess I shouldn't have asked, Anne. I I know that you usually are like the first one to to catch on to like these trending shows. So how I just have to ask because you you said you binge watched it. How long did it take you to watch the whole thing, the whole season? Oh. Well, I had to watch it with my husband, so I have oh, to wait. Oh, you had to wait. Okay. So, otherwise, he'll be angry that He's I watched it. slowing you down. <laughs> I know. <Nah. laughs> you could have been so far ahead. <laughs> but but anyway. we're done. Yeah, we're done watching that. It's, but, you know, the character Simon, like in his tragic backstory, he's so good he's looking. So sad. Yeah, yeah, he's so good looking. I mean, yes, his tragic backstory, yes. <laughs> but really, uh, Valerie, you really have to watch it because it has everything that's good in it. So it has drama, it has eye candy, like Simon. Oh, gosh. He, uh, yeah, you have romance, you have a lot of sex scenes, you have English accents because it's set in, um, it's set in England. And it's also produced by Shonda Rhimes. It's so good. I mean, the show is based on the best-selling novels by Julia Quinry, and they change a few things around, but it's true. Everything Shauna takes part in is like it's an absolutely hit. I like her uh, watching her shows. So, you know, some some of my favorites are obviously the classic Grey's Anatomy. And I really did enjoy watching How to Get Away with Murder as well. And I've heard really good things about Scandal, but I haven't watched mm-hmm. it myself. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Wait, hang on a sec. <laughs> so they already renewed it for eight seasons 
Yeah, you should watch seasons it. total. So if you start now, you could get a head start. But back to insomnia, I, I guess, you know, myself, I just have transient insomnia then and not a disorder. But I also want to ask our experts, Anne and Valerie, what are the health implications of insomnia? Is it bad for me if I don't get enough sleep? Well, insomnia is actually associated with a whole lot of other things, right? Impaired job performance and increased risk of workplace accidents, increased risk of car accidents, more days spent in bed, and more frequent use of healthcare services. It can also be a predictor of other medical conditions like depression, high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease. So I'm glad you choose to discuss insomnia as a topic today because I think it's important to discuss it and allow our listener to learn how to manage it. I once read a story about a doctor who had treated a State Bureau of Investigation agent who had to be removed from the field because he actually kept falling asleep during the stakeouts. The doctor figured out that the agent had severe sleep apnea and put him on a CPAP machine. A mere two weeks later, his... his wife hugged the doctor and told him that he was responsible for, quote unquote, giving her husband back to her. And as she walked out, she handed the doctor a stack of papers and said that she wouldn't be needing them anymore. Turns out that pile of papers were their divorce papers. (laughs) The doctor said, that's why it's worth being a sleep doctor. Oh, that's such a happy story. I'm glad that doctor saved their marriage. I mean, getting a good sleep can change someone's life. For, for those who don't know, sleep apnea is when you stop breathing at night and you have to wake up to stop breathing again. Sometimes it can happen a hundred times an hour. You don't wake up long enough to remember it, but these little interruptions all interfere with your sleep and you wake up the next morning feeling like you got no sleep at all. And the CPAP machines help keep the airway open continuously so you don't have to experience those interruptions in your sleep. Well, you two are the experts on this, but I also read that not getting enough sleep is about as bad for your body as drinking alcohol. And after 17 hours without sleep, our mental alertness is actually similar to a blood alcohol concentration of 0.05%. So because, you know, those numbers might not mean anything, but that's actually considered uh, impaired on the legally drunk scale. And if you go 24 hours without sleep, our body acts like it would with a blood alcohol concentration of 0.1%, which is actually considered legally drunk. Yeah, basically, pulling all-nighters are just as bad for you as downing a couple of beers. And speaking of which, have you guys pulled all-nighters before? Oh, my oh, god, yeah, all the time, doing yes. like that. That's <laughs> really? Actually, like how often? Oh, every, every exam I had, I would basically pull an all-nighter. <gasps> Yeah, I had bad oh. habits in, in school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. And one time I got like a $5 stolen because I was trying to take a nap. Yeah, well, oh. I was just like taking a rest in between, you know, staying up all night, right? Oh so and at the university that I went to, they usually have those long couches where you can just, you know, come lie down. Mm-hmm. And... And I had this five bucks stacking out of my back pocket. Why did and you do lady, that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know people was around. And this lady, I occasionally, you know, kind of have conversations with her. She came up to me, but I pretend that I was sleeping because I didn't want to talk to her. Mm. And then I feel like something is moving. Mm. And then I can totally feel that she's like pulling out that five dollar from my back well, pocket. Why did you up? Yeah. Because it's so rude to interrupt her, right? <laughs> 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 
<laughs> but like, hey, like, I don't want to like shock her by you know oh, like, so she might not have any you right like yeah she like what she was touching yeah mm. so so I was just pretending I just pretend to stay asleep however just note this what goes around comes around because apparently this lady she's like hiding money behind toilet like public toilet at the university why and oh gosh. I don't know she's weird so someone <laughs> yeah, clearly found, found her stash of cash and I took it and then mm. she went, how do you like, know about this because she was like putting signs up all over the washroom saying, Who stole my money? Better give it back. <laughs> okay, this sounds a little bit <laughs> scary. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it, it was so a very confused. interesting undergraduate time. So, yeah. Wow. It's, it's not worth it. So, just just, just have a good night's sleep. It's not I, worth for it. For sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad I'm done with my all nighter days. But, you know, I, I guess my my question still is like, what specifically is so bad about not getting enough sleep? Like, what happens when we sleep anyways? Like, why do we need sleep in the first place? It's such a fascinating question because there actually isn't any human or animal that is able to function without sleep. In the late 1800s, a scientist conducted an experiment where he kept puppies in constant activity without letting them sleep. And they died after only a few days. Oh, what? Obviously so now. Yeah, I wanted to tell Cecilia to cover up her ears because she does have no, a, I have a very, very mm-hmm. soft spot for any puppy stories. That's so sad. Obviously, now those kinds of experiments would not be ethically permitted, but just goes to show you how important sleep is. That actually reminds me, it makes me think of the world record holder for the most amount of time that a human has gone without sleep. So this is Randy Gardner. He's actually still alive today, and he he stayed awake for 11 days and 24 minutes in 1965, and he was only 16 years old at that time. But at the end of the 11 days... He, he had so many problems. His speech was slurred, his thinking was fragmented, and he wasn't able to perform even really simple math for longer than a few minutes at a time. Okay, so I guess we learned that sleep is important for a number of reasons. We need sleep to be able to form and maintain the pathways in our brains to learn and create new memories. Some research also showed that sleep plays a housekeeping role that removes toxins in our brain that builds up when we are awake. Don't forget about sleep's effects on the immune system. Sleep helps repair and restore our immune system, and immune cells seem to work better with more sleep. Fun fact, did you know that adult giraffes only sleep for five minutes at a time and only get about 30 minutes of sleep in total a night? Mm-hmm. We went to this um, Disney World tour at the animal uh, park, and the tour guide told us that giraffes are known as a mammal that sleep the least, while the lions spend around 20 hours sleeping, like sleeping during the day and more active at night. You know, that's why they have that song, In the Jungle, the Mighty Jungle, the lions sleep tonight. Oh, oh very good. I like it. Very nice. I, I would rather be a lion. I, I would rather get so, you know, like so much sleep. But why do why do giraffes sleep so little? I don't get it. It's because they're always on high alert. They actually sleep standing up with their eyes half open and their ears continue to twitch. Poor giraffes. If they lie down to sleep, then it puts them at risk of being an easy target for predators. They're so large and lengthy that standing up is a very long process. So they wouldn't be able to outrun the predators. And But if they remain standing up, if they do hear a predator approaching, they can just run. 
as fast as 35 miles per hour. I, I just want to say, I used to know this girl who sleep with her eyes open and is freaking scary. Oh, is that the same I don't person who stole the money from you? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> there was another girl. It's like, you thought she was awake and you're talking to her, but she <laughs> is sleeping. <laughs> it's so strange. Was, Wait, was she carry on me? No, she's literally sleeping, but her eyes is open. But then I don't know sure. how that's possible. Yeah, don't maybe, the eyes she's, dry up. maybe she's I trying to know. ignore you. <laughs> she's like, pretend I'm asleep, don't talk to her. <laughs> that's so oh, weird. It's so weird. Well, think, giraffe has half the eyes open, so. Yeah, and their ears twitching. That sounds like, it actually sounds really cute, but, you know, they're they're sure on a different level than us. <laughs> okay. mm. oh. <laughs> Get a level? Okay, sorry. All right. <laughs> so moving on to my next question for you ladies. So how many hours of sleep would you recommend that average person get per night? There's, there's no one right answer that fits everyone. The right amount of sleep depends on a number of factors. But generally, most adults need seven to eight hours a night. Teens need nine to ten hours. School-age kids need at least ten hours. Preschooler needs twelve, like eleven to twelve hours, and newborn needs sixteen to eighteen hours. I would say those are loose guidelines, though. The latest research shows the right amount of sleep is what leaves you energized the next day. I think I need anywhere between eight to ten hours of sleep to feel really refreshed the next day, but I definitely don't get that on a nightly basis. I know some people who function on just four to five hours of sleep a night, and that's all they need. And it's not like they have a sleep debt either because they don't ever sleep in on the weekend. So that's really, you know, just the amount of sleep that they need. There's a difference between the amount of sleep you can get by on and the amount of sleep need to function at your best. According to the National Institute of Health, the average adult sleep less than seven hours per night. But if we go Back to how most adults need seven to eight hours of sleep a night, then it means that this is just a recipe for chronic sleep deprivation and building up that sleep debt. Just because someone can function on less sleep doesn't mean that they wouldn't feel better and be more productive if they spend an extra hour in bed. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind the next time someone calls me lazy for sleeping in on the weekends or on my days off then. <laughs> but my next question for you experts is, so what exactly is the reason for insomnia? So, you know, uh, just common sense knowledge, like we know some common reasons like stress or anxiety or depression, but do you guys know exactly what causes insomnia from a more medical perspective? Insomnia is said to be a disorder of hyperarousal that one experiences during the entire day. Therapeutic Choices, which is another reliable source that us pharmacists use, states that there are two models currently in place to help explain why this hyperarousal state occurs. The first model is called the cognitive model. So this is sort of what you were alluding to, CC, with the common reasons like stress. This model works under the theory that life stressors cause a person to worry to the point where they have difficulty falling asleep or if awakened, they can't go back to sleep easily. Over time, they start worrying about why they can't fall asleep and these worries add to why they can't sleep. Then we have the second model that explains that hyperarousal may be more due to physiological factors. And the reason for that is there's been studies done that found that people with insomnia had higher metabolic rates. They also found that people with insomnia had higher levels of cortisol and adrenocorticotrophic hormone, ACTH, which regulates the level of cortisol produced. 
And cortisol is a hormone that releases in response to stress. So the neuroendocrine system may also have a role to play in hyperarousal. I want to go back to your point, Cece, about anxiety and depression causing insomnia too. There's other medical conditions that can cause insomnia as well. And we don't have time to go over everything today, but I just wanted to quickly point them out. Other conditions that can cause insomnia include chronic pain, heart diseases like angina or heart failure, stomach problems like heartburn, bladder problems like enlarged prostate or overactive bladder, restless leg syndrome, breathing disorders like asthma, COPD, or sleep apnea like we mentioned earlier, diabetes, menopause, pregnancy, or substance abuse like drugs or alcohol. Yeah, I can definitely see how some of those would cause insomnia. Like, it would be really hard to sleep if you had uncontrolled pain, or if you had difficulties breathing, or if you had hot flashes at night that that just keep you up all night, or if you're suffering from bladder issues and have to keep getting up to go to the bathroom overnight. There's also medications that can cause insomnia as well. And speaking from a pharmacist's perspective, it's something that we have to keep in mind when a patient presents with insomnia issues. Is this related to a medication they are taking? For example, steroids like prednisone or dexamethasone frequently cause insomnia as a side effect. So if you take them too late in the day, then this can cause interference with sleep. And same thing with water pills like furosemide. If you take them too late in the day, you'll be going to the washroom lots overnight, which will also interrupt your sleep. Stimulants like amphetamines or pseudoephedrine, which is a common decongestant found in many cough and cold and allergy products, can also impair your sleep. Some blood pressure medications called beta blockers and some antidepressants can also have stimulating effects too and can interfere with sleep. Oh my goodness, can I just interrupt you for a second, Valerie, with a beta blocker joke? Okay. <laughs> Why are beta blockers so funny? Because they Why? end in LOLs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Good one. Oh gosh. Good one. I love it. <laughs> At least that joke is useful for the audience. I mean, we generally identify a beta blocker with ending in LOL. <laughs> so medications like metoprolol, bisoprolol, propanolol, timolol, atenolol, covetolol, just to name a few. So now you can get Cecilia joke. <laughs> la la la. Hello, hello, hello. Anyway, one potential side effect of beta blockers are sleep disturbances like waking up at night and or nightmares. They are thought to interfere with sleep because they decrease the nighttime secretion of melatonin, which is a hormone that regulates sleep. And even from a non-expert on insomnia, even I know that caffeinated drinks like coffee, tea, Coke, or energy drinks too close to bedtime, that can cause insomnia. So try to avoid um, you know, drinking any of those before bedtime. And it makes me really sad that even bubble tea at night might be a bad idea because some bubble teas actually contain caffeine because they're made from green or black teas. And I saw an article in the South China Morning Post that said an average serving of bubble tea, it may actually contain 130 milligrams of caffeine. And to put that into perspective, it's not too far off from the amount in an energy drink. So I guess late night bubble tea dates might not be a great idea for your sleep, hey? Yeah, not to mention those starchy pro like tapioca balls. They are not easy to digest and they can stick together and lead to like a lot of gastrointestinal dysfunction. Yikes. But that's another problem for another episode. 
I would love to do a bubble tea episode, but but oh moving on, <laughs> do you find that certain people may be more at risk for insomnia? What are what are the risk factors? Older people are more at risk for insomnia, especially in people over sixty. I read an article where it stated that as many as fifty percent of older adults complain about difficulty initiating or maintaining sleep. Some theories exist as to why this is. One theory is that as we age, our internal circadian clocks and sleep-wake cycles change, and this affects how long and how well we sleep. For example, our sleep architecture changes as we age, and sleep architecture represents the cyclical patterns of sleep at a shift between the different sleep stages. And there are generally four to five different sleep cycles during a given night, and each of the different cycle can last about ninety to one hundred twenty minutes. So normally, a sleep cycle is divided into four stages:、uh, the two stages of light, non-rapid eye movement sleep, which is NREM; one stage of heavy non-rapid eye movement sleep, where deep sleep occurs, which is what we need to feel refreshed in the morning; and a final stage of Um, rapid eye movement (REM) sleep. The rapid eye movement sleep is the deepest state of sleep where most of our dreaming occurs. Older adults spend less time in the deep sleep and the REM stages. As a result of this shift, they are more likely to wake up in the middle of the night and feel less refreshed in the morning. Actually, I think that older people are at higher risk for insomnia because they are also more prone to having more medical conditions that can lead to interference with sleep, like psychiatric conditions or sleep apnea and restless leg syndromes. They also take more medication, which, as we talked about previously, can cause more insomnia. And some study have reported that starting in middle age, the average person loses twenty-seven minutes of sleep per night for each subsequent decade. Another thing to not look forward to as we get older, isn't it? But to answer your question fully, other risk factors for insomnia include being female, shift work, lower socioeconomic status, marital status with divorce or separate people having higher risk of insomnia, and certain genetic factors. I think most of those are pretty self-explanatory, except for the females being at higher risk. I do want to take a moment to explain this: females are twice as likely as males to experience insomnia. Is that because, like seniors, women are also more prone to medical conditions that can be associated with poor sleep, like depression, anxiety, and stress? That's one reason. Women also more likely to experience bladder problems like urinary incontinence and overactive bladder, so that can also lead to poor quality and quantity of sleep. But there's also another general reason that women are higher risk for insomnia, and that has to do with hormonal changes. This happens during the onset of puberty, with each menstrual cycle, during pregnancy, and during the transition to menopause. These hormonal changes can cause shifts in the sleep-wake cycle and in sleep architecture. Oh my God, there's just another problem adding on as being a woman, isn't it? <laughs> That's true,、oh, but you know, still, I would still prefer to be a woman. And you know, it's definitely interesting to to know the theories behind why it's more common in in females. You know, but it does make me a little sad because not only are we female. We're also aging by the minute. So if we're female and we're getting older, we are already at higher risk of insomnia. So we must start to incorporate good sleep habits now. So my last question for you, ladies, is: 
What do you think the effects of technology on insomnia are? Studies show that up to 60% of adults keep their cell phones in the bedroom at night. You're more likely to stay up too late texting, emailing, or using social media, and consequently feel drowsy the next day. I must say that I can be guilty of this as well. I sometimes sleep with my cell phone more or less beside my head, just on the next pillow, or it'll be on my nightstand. It's probably better to not bring your cell phone into the bedroom at all. I do the same thing, but... I don't think I could not bring my cell phone into the bedroom. That's, I think that's unrealistic. I, I use my cell phone as an alarm clock. And you know, what if someone needs to contact me as an emergency when I'm sleeping throughout the night? Can you wake up? Like, does if that I, wake you up? Yeah, like if I put my phone on ring, then it would, yeah. Oh, you don't turn it off? Oh my goodness. I used to How keep it on silent, when? but then I get worried because I, I feel like I'll uh, sleep through my alarm clock. And then what if um, someone's looking for me? Well, probably work because they'll be like, where are you? But, you know, what if my phone's on silent and they'll just never reach me? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, like, I guess a lot of people feel uncomfortable without the cell phone at night. And the blue light that comes from smartphones can also have an impact on sleep too because it mimics daylight. So the body is discouraged from producing sleep inducing melatonin at bedtime, which promotes drowsiness. So essentially your body is told to stay awake. And if you have an iPhone, you can turn off your blue light by acting, activating that night shift setting on your phone. There's also some blue light filter apps that you can download to also make this less of a problem. You could probably also just set your phone to do not disturb mode or silent mode, like we were saying, so that you don't get endless notifications. <laughs> well, this has been stimulating. Hopefully not too stimulating that we won't be able to sleep tonight. Oh, <laughs> not a problem for me. <laughs> you and Cecilia are head to head with these jokes lately. Are you keeping a tally? <laughs> I should start. We need to crown a winner. All right. So here's the bottom line. So insomnia disorder is defined by the DSM-5 as dissatisfaction with sleep quality or quantity, and it can be associated with difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, or waking up early in the morning without being able to go back to sleep. This dissatisfaction with sleep has to affect your ability to function and has to happen at least three nights per week and be present for three months or longer. There are a lot of theories about why we need sleep in the first place, including for learning and memory formation, and also maintaining our immune system. Without adequate sleep, we are at risk of impaired performance at work and in our daily lives, and increased risk for other medical conditions like depression, high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease, just to name a few. And certain populations are more at risk of experiencing insomnia, like seniors, females, people of lower socioeconomic status, and people who work shift work, amongst others. So... I know after all of this, our audience will probably want to know, hey, if I am experiencing insomnia, then what can I do to manage it? Then make sure you tune in next week as we take a deep dive into various sleep aids on the market and what you can do to combat sleep deprivation. Until next time, sweet dreams, everyone. Bye for now. See ya. Are you new to the It Is Better To Know podcast? If so, we want to thank you for listening. We would love to get your feedback to help us get better. Please leave us a quick rating on your favorite app, or even better, leave a review and let everyone know what you think of this show. Curious Music is performed by Bonsai Memo, written by Andrew Southwell and Jimmy Harry. 
The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and should not be taken as medical advice. As every individual is unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Thank you.